This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, the first thing you'll notice is that there is no music for this show. This is an unedited episode because for the past few weeks, I have been in grocery store hell during the coronavirus pandemic. So this is just a little hangout, fun, unedited episode uh, to, to try to get the show back on its feet and uh, to spend some time with you. So, uh, also, Danielle, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Yeah, no, don't worry, guys. It's all done remotely. We're not in the same room. We are not in the <laughs> same room. I am, no. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm safe on my acre of land here at the Faggot Ranch. Um, don't you mean Cat Ranch? It's a kitty ranch, let's it be is honest. A, it is a kitty ranch. Um, also, so yes, this is an unedited episode. Um, so if you hear any commotion in the background, if you hear my cat snoring in the corner of the room, if you <laughs> if you hear my partner watching horror movies while he works from home in the other room, uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. All right. So for this episode, Danielle... And I just wanted to talk about what life has been like uh, under the coronavirus, under uh, under the new regime of the novel coronavirus. And she suggested last week that she interview me about what it's like to be uh, managing a grocery store during this time. So I guess take it away. I have no idea. That was that little spiel is literally all I had planned for this show. Ha! So now, I mean, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. We oh, always yeah. do. We always do. All right. Yeah. No. Oh, and by the way, sure. by the way, Danielle and I, we go way back. We've we've been friends for how long that for eons for oh years God. since uh, we since we... I was 14 years old, oh, and I am. Oh. And I am 31 now, so we met in fall of 2002. So, yep, exactly. This fall will be 18 years or something. 18, yeah, yeah, something like that. So, we go way back. Uh, we survived Christian school together. We uh, we've survived lots of things together. We've seen the best and the worst of each other. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, take it away. What what do you want to uh, what do you want to ask me about about these this this, this hellscape that we call a grocery store during a pandemic? Oh my god! Um, oh my god! I mean, my first question is really quite simple. Uh, just how does it feel to be an essential employee right now? So what are you, what are you feeling? <laughs> and also, I feel like I need to back up and give a bit more context. So. Yeah. For listeners who don't know, I manage a grocery store, a small locally owned grocery store. I am not the only manager. I am part of a team of managers at this grocery store. And the business is really awesome. It is a salvage grocery store, which means we get stuff that would otherwise be thrown away or uh wouldn't be sellable and we sell it for very for you know at very cheaply to the public and so people who cannot who would not be able to eat half as well are now able to eat well and very cheaply um it started as a flea market booth 25 years ago the family who runs it uh you know they were living in a trailer park they started this flea market booth and they just grew it into this amazing business um and and so it's really cool. It's like very Appalachian, but also very hippie, very um I, I don't know. It, it's very Asheville. Can For those of you who've been say, Yes. Poppy has always looked as though there was an apocalypse happening. So yes. in terms of that It's very zombie <laughs> apocalypse. There's yeah. there's something and and you know, our decor, it's very shabby chic. It is uh very trailer park. Um, yeah. I love it. I am down with it. It feels like it feels like 
a good number of our clientele would fit right at home in that new documentary series, Tiger King, about Joe Exotic yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Not to mention the employees. Sorry. But oh, yeah. True. Some of the employees. Uh, yeah. Some of the employees. We And uh, it's in an industrial district. Yeah. It, it's in an, in an industrial district in the Asheville area. And it's great. I fucking love it. I really do. Yeah. I love working there. I love the people I work with. I love most of the customers. Um, and I, I, it's a really, really good, fun place to work. It's not what I expected to do with my life, but I'm happy to be doing it. Um, and so that's what I'm doing when I'm not... That's what I'm doing when I'm not recording and doing shows and writing and speaking and all that kind of stuff. All yeah. right. Yeah. But bottom line, to set some context, you're not working for Ingalls. You're not no. working for a grocery no, no, corporate. No, 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 not at all. I'm I'm working for a small family business that really cares about their employees and really cares about the community. Um, and so I've made a lot of friends uh, at at this grocery store. I've made a lot of friends uh, with customers. You know, customers will bring me breakfast. Customers will will bring me dinner. They will take me out to lunch. They like, it's really sweet. I, it, it, it's kind of a community market. It's kind of like the village marketplace where everyone yeah. kind of meets each other and, and gets to know each other and so on. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And we have, um, I don't know. It, it's, I'm kind of struggling to describe it because there's really like no place like it. <laughs> there really is it. It's a small family grocery store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the non-profit of it's salvage. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say 80% of it is salvage and then 20% of it is local stuff. So we get like lots of local farmers uh, mm -hmm. who, who sell at our place. Y'all have great honey. Yes, we have, have great we have fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll stop the right. we'll stop the hopping, the so. we'll stop the infomercial <laughs> for for Hoppy and Company, um, yeah. and and get on to yeah. Yes, so when I'm yeah. not when I'm not here in my office, uh, recording stuff and writing stuff and so on, I'm also I'm I'm working there forty hours a week. Alrighty. So with that said, do continue. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think we're just going to get back to, you know, in the in the midst of all that's that's happening, maybe start with this. Yeah. Um, what has changed, if anything? Well, well so you said, so so the first question that you asked was, what is it like to be an essential worker? Yeah, I'm an essential employee right now. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. And I tweeted something along the line, along these lines. I, I think the most significant difference is the attitude in the in, in the customers, because wow. I have known I have known for the six years that I've been doing this work that civilization would collapse without people like me. Like I've yeah. known that and I've known that I am providing an essential service like I've known that for as long as I've been working in the grocery store business and. And I've taken that very seriously, but yeah. literally up until like a month ago, <laughs> people would occasionally be like, what I don't understand about you, Stephen, is why you don't get a better job where you could actually change the world. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't see it right now, but I'm, I'm giving the middle finger. Exactly. To that like, like, yeah, numerous people. Uh, just yeah. over the years, like, what is someone like you doing in a place like this? Because, you know, I'm well-educated, I'm well-read, I am well-spoken, and so they assume that I should be, like, on a college campus somewhere. Um, and they feel somewhat offended, weirdly. A lot of people feel, seem to take personally the, the fact that I am am working at this salvage family-owned grocery store in an industrial district um, and using my skills there. And it is very much, it does, it is very much a set of skills that you have to have in order to do this kind of work. Um, Definitely. But they, they seem to take it weirdly personally that someone like me is working in a quote place like this. And, um, and I'm like, A, I am changing the world, you bitch. 
and <laughs> B, uh, I know people with masters and doctorates who are working at Starbucks. And yeah. I mean, it, this is just the world we live in now that very the economy that that is happening right now. Yes, yeah. exactly. Highly qualified people are working in the service industry. That's just the way it is. And uh, like now and I just got to the point where I was like when people would say this, I was like, you need to get with the fucking times. Yeah, like you need to wake the frick up. You need to wake the fuck up. Come on, yeah, guys. Yeah. I know it's shattering your bubble image of the American dream, but at this point, just because you have a college degree, it doesn't mean very much. No, guys. it means Especially nothing. Especially if you have a bachelor's degree in, in some sort of humanities. Field. Yes, like me. Yeah. I was uh like vocal Same. performance, which is me. And um yeah, like there, one of our cafe workers uh, several months ago, there, <laughs> this old woman was like, I don't understand why you're working here since you have a, a bachelor's degree. Why are you choosing to work here since you have a bachelor's degree? Anyway, so the so the biggest change that I'm seeing is now every so often people are like, thank you so much. You're a hero. You're on mm -hmm. the front lines. We so appreciate you staying open. We so appreciate the work you're doing. And I'm like, you know, I, I genuinely, I, yeah, I genuinely appreciate it. But also I've known, I've this known that like, yeah. what, like, what do you think you would do without people like me? Do you think you would actually go hunt your own fucking food? Do you think you'd actually go forage your own food? Yeah. Like instead of getting your, instead of getting your paleo diet food from me, you would have to actually be a paleolithic man and, and you would go actually have to hunt and gather. <laughs> you would actually have to hunt and gather for it. Um, that's the biggest shift that I've seen is an actual appreciation for what I'm doing, which is very nice. It's also about six years too fucking late, but it is yeah. nice. I appreciate it. Um, it's also, so what is it like being in essential service? It is terrifying. So here's the thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I've kind of had this dialogue with myself I've had this back and forth with myself for a long, for, you know, ev ever since this thing blew up, which is on the one hand, I still have my job. Yeah. Most, most service industry people do not have their jobs right now and may never have their jobs again. Um, and so I am immensely grateful that I still have my job. On the other hand, I am in constant exposure to the public. Yeah. And let me tell you, relying on the public to keep their shit together is maybe the, <laughs> is maybe the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my fucking life. Like, yeah. um, because really, workers like me are depending on people to stay safe. We, we are depending on other people to practice, to practice social distancing, to practice yeah. social distancing and all that stuff so that we can stay healthy when they come through our line. Uh, and nothing has filled me with more terror in my life. <laughs> and so on the one hand, I still have my job. On the other hand, I have constant exposure to the public. On yeah. the other, other hand, it is a service that I am providing people. Uh, and uh, and so that is gratifying. On the other, other, other hand, it has been so unbelievably insane that yeah. that we have not been able to keep up with it. So we were doing over double the amount of sales that we normally do. And uh, for oh, the, <laughs> yes, for the first week. And and I swear, I that's why the show just was put on pause um, right for a minute. Yeah, had a, had a moment. Yeah, that's why the show was has been put on pause for about three or so weeks, um, yeah. because for a while there, my life really was just work crash, work crash, work crash. Like I went to bed for two days just to recover from that <laughs> first weekend um, when the panic hit really hard, and um, 
just it was unbelievable. I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> I've I've never seen anything like this. Um, yeah. And so now things have settled down to like Good. normal levels of crazy, but it's still crazy, like every mm-hmm. every day. But it's a more of a manageable level of crazy. Um, yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very yeah. complicated. Yep. Yeah. I mean, how are your coworkers handling all of this? So I would say they're handling it similarly to how I'm handling it. Just weighing all the pros and cons. I think, yeah, I think the employees are handling it as well as I am, which is well-ish. <laughs> which is okay mostly. Yeah. Okay. Okay mostly, yeah. sometimes terrified, sometimes okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you're kind of describing my, my life now that I've been furloughed. Because, yeah. um, you know, a little bit, I worked retail at a non-essential business. My goodness, we sell we sold pretty things, but they were in no way necessary. Um, and so I've been <laughs> them. And really, I only go crazy when I'm trying to apply for unemployment, which is a joke and a nightmare. Which I so. hear has been a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, okay. Well, like, okay. how many people applied for millions. unemployment last? Millions. It was. I think it was th- three million. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like three million. Rick, but, record, record unemployment in the history. Well, I mean, of course, because nothing like this has really happened in the history of the program, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's so infuriating about this whole thing is, and, and this is what this is what is causing me lots of rage right now, is that we've known that this was happening. We've known that this would happen for. A very long time. You know, we've been due for a pandemic for a long time. And there are plenty of experts. I can't say, you know, name any off the top of my head. But there there have been plenty of experts saying, hey, we need to be more prepared. We need to be more prepared because exactly this kind of virus is going to happen. You know, a flu-like virus that, I mean, this isn't anything like the flu, but, but a, but a virus that is somewhat similar, you know, that gives you either, either a bird flu type virus or a coronavirus or something would a mutated contagious virus that can kill people. Yes, exactly. That, yeah. that would be a respiratory illness that would mm-hmm. jump from an, from a wild animal species. Like we've known just this for, yeah. For forever, for eons. <laughs> I hate, well, and I hate to say that we got lucky with SARS and H1N1, but we kind of got lucky with SARS and H1N1 because, you know, due to various factors, if I understand it correctly, H1N1 uh, was less deadly and yeah. SARS was less contagious. Yeah. But now we've got the big one. We've got a virus that mutates quickly and is very contagious and kills about 2.5% of people who get it. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, dear listeners, neither of us are medical experts. Please no. don't come to us. Please don't <laughs> Please listen. Don't. Please don't listen take to any. The World Health Organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, please don't take anything we're saying about medical this virus as as medical fact in any way. Like, take it with a massive grain of salt. Okay. So, with that said, yeah, I think that's what what infuriates me the most is. You know, it's like we are the most prosperous fucking nation on this planet. And we are caught the most unprepared. We are caught like we are caught with like our dick in our hands. Just completely unprepared for. I don't know if you could say the most unprepared, but far more unprepared than we could have been. I mean, I would say we're the most unprepared of the developed nations, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, yeah, maybe. Like I would say we're the most unprepared of of the developed countries. Mm-hmm. You know, the un, yeah. undeveloped countries are fucked as they always are during during, during any a kind crisis. Of during yeah. any kind of catastrophe, you know, of course they're the ones who are going to get the real brunt of this. But that is just what is so infuriating to me is is that we've known 
the hospitals have known, the experts have known, scientists have been warning about this, and no one seemed to give a fuck. They just, yeah. they just did not do anything to to prepare. And you know, the the logic of capitalism is that it isn't it isn't uh oh what's the it isn't profitable to have. Mm-hmm extra ventilators it isn't profitable to have extra beds it isn't profitable to have extra face masks so the you know in a privatized medical system it isn't about caring for people it's about making a profit and now we are we are seeing just how astoundingly that doesn't work we're seeing like just that is yeah and uh and how truly genocidal it is because um you know people got on my case the other day on twitter for for uh because i said you know this is class genocide and i really i stand by that i think it is class genocide I think we need a new word because genocide implies, you know, genes, and so it implies that it's based on ethnicity. Um, so we need a new word for it. But sure. yes, essentially, yeah. it is. It is a system in which the poor will die. Yeah, it is a system in yeah. which it is a system in which the poor are are going to be killed, just yeah. mercilessly by because of the the nature of the machine that we live in. So mm-hmm. that. More more than the virus, like the virus itself doesn't isn't keeping me up at night. It's the system that we live in that is uh, just so unequipped to handle this thing that is keeping. And I was already a a flaming socialist before this happened. I am even more. I am even more of a fucking socialist now. And and also. So here's the sorry. I'm just pontificating. So. So here's the thing. Our generation was our generation graduated into the 2008 economic crisis and and we have been suffering because of that ever since and i think that that really radicalized us i think that that kind of revealed how fucked up this neoliberal bullshit system is Mm -hmm. but now another generation is graduated the the zoomers are now graduating into this crisis which is even worse giant mess and so that is that is two generations of future leaders who are being radicalized by global catastrophes (laughs) yeah um i'm sorry if if you want to radicalize two generations the best way to do it is i guess what you're doing right now guys exactly (laughs) the best way the best watch you not handle this terribly well (laughs) not handle this well okay so there's an elephant in the room, Danielle. And oh, where? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that elephant. And it, there's also an elephant in in uh, the grocery store business and in mm-hmm. doing customer service. Mm-hmm. And that elephant is called boomers. Oh. So let's. Shall we talk about boomers for a moment? Oh, let's. Oh, okay. do let's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. And, okay. Not all. Not all. Hashtag not all boomers. Hashtag not all boomers. But hashtag enough. Boomers. Okay, here's the thing. If you're allowed to use the word millennial in a derogatory term, in a derogatory way, I'm allowed to use boomer in a derogatory way. And and here's the thing. Boomer is a state of mind. Boomer is not boomer is not an age. Boomer is a state of mind. It is a culture. And, you know, I first I first heard this um, on Chapo Trap House. I was listening to them a a couple of weeks ago and they were talking. I forget which episode this was, Um, but they were talking about how it's like these these boomers don't think that they can die. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. And and they they you know, they are in New York. And so they were. I guess witnessing this before me, but, Mm -hmm. but they were talking about how it's like so many of these old people, it's like, they still think that it's the summer of love and that they're just fucking immortal. And 
that or I don't know. Do they do they like do they hate their lives? Is that what's happening? And so they're like, it's fine. I'll risk it in order to. I just don't know. I'm I just think, I'm puzzled. I'm I think really there's puzzled. just there's just a disconnect, and you know. So I, yeah, it's like they don't think that they can die. It's like they don't the, think. The rules don't apply to them, and nothing bad can ever happen. And <laughs> Yes. I mean, I mean, I've talked about this before. So the, the boomers' parents were the greatest generation, and the greatest generation came up through the Depression and World War II, and they literally built a system because they came through those calamities that meant that the boomers, for the most part, with a reasonable amount of hard work, would be prosperous and would be fine. Exactly. Because... Because... Those those support systems. And those support systems have been being eroded since the late 70s, early 80s. Slowly but surely, until now, we come to the point where you can work your ass off at three jobs and still end up homeless. Yeah. And I'm not homeless, but I, but I work my ass off on three jobs and I still, I, I'm prosperous. I am. Oh, in no way am I prosperous. I am so far from prosperous and, um, yeah, it's, it's alarming. So yeah, no, it's true. It's like that the greatest generation, they, they saw that they, they worked on the destruction of the Gilded Age. Yeah. You know, it, it's like the depression happened. They saw firsthand the effects of that, of the Gilded Age. They mm-hmm. and uh, and then they ensured a, a bright future for the boomers. And then and the, to some degree for Gen X, to some degree. And to yeah. some degree, Gen X. And then they just decide. And then the boomers were just like, well, you we know, did let's we let's take let's take yeah. Friedman seriously let's let's embrace neoliberalism and let's just destroy this system i don't i don't even know if it's correct to call it neoliberalism i would call it radical capitalism if it were me yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean neoliberalism yeah. is such a such a loose term that it it doesn't mean much these days but so along these lines of boomers just being clueless so there is this one woman mm-hmm. the other uh this was last week got mm-hmm. way the fuck up in my bubble older woman way the fuck up in my bubble because she was impatient and so she like cut in line and because she had so many places to be because she had so many places to be because you know in this ghost town she had so many errands to go on so many places to be. and <laughs> um Oh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. And she gets way up in my bubble and is like reaching across in front of me and is like inches away from my face. And she turns yeah. to me and says, no joke. Oh, you don't have I'm I'm healthy. You don't have anything to worry about. And <laughs> and it's like, honey, honey, I'm, darling, you're worried about me. I'm not the one who should be worried like I am worried but because this this has been known to severely affect even young people. Oh yeah, like yeah. it's not like the death you know, rate is are... the death rate is very high for every single age age group, except yeah. maybe children. But it's very except high for, for every single yeah. age group. So, but Thank it God. is it is far higher for yeah. <laughs> for older people. Anybody and fifty or sixty and over. Yeah. And and she was like, "Oh, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm healthy." And first of all, <laughs> do you know how many people are asymptomatic? Exactly. You don't. It's like you I really I could be asymptomatic right now. And and now I'm seeing this trend of of boomers. It's almost like they're confronting their own mortality for the first time in their lives and then they take yep. it out on custom <laughs> then they take it out on the cashiers. And, uh oh my god, it's it's a disaster. Uh, a friend of mine was like yesterday was like, Hey, do you want to talk this evening? And I was like, no, I need to crash. I need to introvert because I've been dealing all day with boomers who are coming face to face with their own mortality for the first fucking time in their lives. They're not handling it. Well, (laughs) they're not handling it. Well, like, fuck, I'm 30 and I feel I'm 31 and I feel like I'm handling I feel like I'm handling mortality better than these old old pieces of shit are. 
and grand and again here's the thing if if you're a boomer technically remember that what we're talking about is a state of mind yeah if you fall within that age range and you do not exhibit this behavior congratulations we're not congratulations talking and here's yeah. the thing like boomers have have done a lot of good so, okay they were they were part of the civil rights movement for example they they were part of lots of peace protests they've they've done a lot of good yeah. so so you just keep that in mind kudos for that kudos for a lot of the social change Absolutely. i i i really wonder what happened economically like come on guys come on well also <laughs> also i wonder about the degree to which they betrayed their values too well i really well. wonder i really wonder about that the um because Martin Luther King Jr.'s movement w was shifting by the time of his assassination into a movement for poor people, into a into yeah. a class movement, and uh, and that and never saw fruition. That never saw fruition, did it? That yeah. never came to yeah. fruition. And so no, I really, I really wonder about how that generation betrayed its own values. Yeah, you know. I mean, I was worried. I was worried that our generation would too, as we sort of grew up. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't anymore, because I think mm -hmm. I think this this event is knocking it right the fuck out of us. Well, I think it's <laughs> I think it's going to radicalize in both directions. I mean, already before mm -hmm. this, it's like the the young mm -hmm. online world. It, you're either one or the other. It, yeah. it was like, you know, ContraPoints in an interview said that it was like the Weimar Republic. <laughs> said it's like the, it's it's communists and fascists. The online world is. It well, isn't it isn't right and left anymore. It's communists yeah. and fascists almost. And and so I wonder if there's if we're going to see more of that. Just like extreme fascism on the right. And, Probably. and more extreme leftism on the left. Uh, and I bet we're going to see that more. So that anyway, these are these are our Nostradamus <laughs> predictions. Don't hold us political to it. Of, yeah, the political <laughs> ramblings of two people who don't know very much. <laughs> the but, the uh... political ramblings of people who, who are completely <laughs> clueless about any of this shit. So take it all with a grain of salt. OK, so what what question what what do you have next on your on your list yeah I mean you've sort of already answered this question mm. um, but like in your case in your specific case and you can correct me if I'm wrong um, but I know your partner has a good job has a good secure job with yeah. benefits and a decent salary and so you guys could probably survive without your income from yeah. me uh, why do you keep why do you keep doing it yeah you're not in the same position as a lot of people where, where I you know, have to work. You would have to quit and then not get unemployment and then be homeless. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like a I have to do my part in the household. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that. It it yeah. helps John if I'm working. Also, I just kind of feel an obligation. Because I, I'm not doing what I'm doing because it's just, I, I, it's a calling, you know, there's a, the, there's a reason why I've been working in the grocery store business for, uh, for six years. Yeah. <laughs> like most, there, people who do this kind of work on the local level, there are divided into two categories. There are those who are who are like, this is just another job. This is just a, a stepping stone. This is you know just get get done with it for as as soon as soon as they can. And yeah. then there are other people for whom, um, you know, they make the best of it and they realize that this is a service and that that is in and of itself very fulfilling. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's great. That doesn't mean it's awesome. That does, but it no. does mean that it is important work that has to be done. And I have found myself in the latter category <laughs> over the years. And so I feel like I have 
an obligation to the store and to the community to do this. Also, I am a manager, so if I go down, then <laughs> then it's going to be a if I go down, it's going to be a disaster. It's be a shit show, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so you feel like there are people depending on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are there are employees. Yeah. There are, you know, the family that I work for is depending on me. There are customers who are depending on me. So I get up and I go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, well, it, thank you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it it feels like thank there you. are. It, yeah. It it feels like there are a lot of people depending on me. So I do it. Yeah. Yep. Next yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, right now, like if you were to if you were to have a group of customers and you were able to address them, what would you want them to know? And what like what helps you the most? What do you need customers to know and what you need them what do you need us as customers in a grocery store to do? Hmm. That's a really good question. I need yeah. them to understand that I am putting my life at risk to yeah. bring to bring them food. And mm. maybe not my life, but definitely my health. Um, could be both. Could we be both. <clears throat> yeah, we know. don't know. Yeah. And, and not only that, uh, just I need people to practice social distancing. <laughs> so like I, I need people to uh, respect social distancing and not get too close to me or to each other because I could be an asymptomatic carrier. And I mean, because I have so much exposure, exposure to the public, I'm when I'm not at work, I'm basically in quarantine and yeah. I will be until this whole thing blows over because I'm in such close contact with the public. Um, like I, do you quarantine yourself from your partner, from John? Uh, we try to a little, at least some, yeah. at least some, my cats, <laughs> three of my four cats got really sick no. and I was like, oh my God, I have given them coronavirus. <laughs> and I looked at like, I was, <clears throat> I was like, oh my God, this is, this is awful. I, I'm going to give them, <laughs> I've given them coronavirus. I can't live with myself. But I looked it up and it's very unlikely. So they just had some kind of, they had some kind of, they had some kind of head cold, feline cold. Yes. Um, I also just need everyone to be kind to each other in yeah. the grocery store. And, and more or less that has been the case. Like I've, okay. I've actually been really happy with most people who've who've come into the store they they mm -hmm. because i've heard some horror stories from other stores of just people people being vicious monsters and yeah. so i'm glad that we aren't having much of that but still that's good to know. i need but people still. to be kind to each other mm -hmm. um yeah yeah have Poppy experienced a lot of uh hoarding wait say that one more time has hoppy had pro a lot of problems with like people hoarding Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. <clears throat> that first week, that first yeah. week when this hit, like I said, we did over double the sales that we normally do. I have never seen anything like it. It was a, it was a catastrophe. We were, yeah. it was like a bomb went off. It felt, it felt like a, like a battleground. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, <clears throat> okay. I'm, I'm coughing. It's either coronavirus or it's allergies. It's it is highly. You're gonna die or it's nothing. So it is it is highly inconvenient. It is highly inconvenient that this whole thing is happening during allergy season. During allergy season, I know. I have I have awful allergies. Oh, and then there was this other time. So Danielle was very sweet and made me homemade masks. Um, yep. So I, but yesterday. I, so I've been wearing the masks through my entire shift to not infect these old people who just have no fear of death. And <laughs> goodness gracious, they're immortal and invincible. Nothing bad can ever happen to them. Exactly. So 
Oh, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So, but I, I suddenly started feeling really short of breath and like really constricted in my chest and I started panicking. And then I realized, oh, it's because I've been wearing this mask <laughs> for the past hour and then anxiety. It's, it's like, no, it isn't. It isn't coronavirus. It's just it's just a mask. It's just a mask. OK, anyway. <clears throat> so what was I saying? I don't even remember anymore. Bring me bring me back. Bring me back. Oh, we're talking about hoarding at Hoppy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just went ahead and started asking people, are you sure you don't need a lifetime supply of toilet paper with that? Like, (laughs) and I, and even from the beginning, like, I did not understand the toilet paper thing. I'm like, I don't understand it either. COVID-19. You shower right next to your toilet. Yes. (laughs) And what is, what is a shower if not a gigantic bidet? But, so, um, but also, COVID nineteen is not a shitting disease. It it isn't. It's not. Why aren't you stocking up on tissues? It or isn't something? dysentery. So is that no? Like, this isn't the novel, The Painted Veil, where where you're just going to shit yourself to death in a bathtub. <laughs> I do not understand. I, I really don't get the toilet paper thing. I really don't. Hold on, I'm I'm it's letting so the cat weird. out. Because like you can't you can't eat it. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I really hope so, you're not planning on eating that. <laughs> so the toilet paper thing, I don't get. But we managed to keep toilet paper on on the shelves uh, because uh, you know we have our black market connections for for toilet paper. <laughs> um, fell off a truck. Yeah. Anyway. But no, there were. It was fucking nuts. It was insane. Yeah. Now I'm seeing people not hoard as much. They're doing a they're doing what they should be doing, which is a little what they normally get, but a little more. Yeah. Um, which is how people should be shopping. It's like whatever whatever you get for your weekly shopping, get that plus a bit more. Mm-hmm. So that there's still enough left for other people, but you're able to stay inside for a bit longer. Yeah. I'm trying to make it about two weeks between trips to the grocery store. I'm That's trying. good. Yeah. We're two weeks is really good. Time. There are some yeah. people who have been really impressive with that. Like ev- like uh, every two weeks, every every second Sunday they come in and they're like, we made it two weeks. And then they come through with a giant cartload of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I now my hours are, are greatly reduced to limit okay. my contact. So I went from 40 hours to 30 hours. Um, and we've shortened the hours at the store uh, no. just to limit everyone's contact. So mm-hmm. now I have lots of free time. And so that's why I'm getting the show back back up and running. I've been doing lots of reading. It's been very nice. I've, I've been binging lots of Stephen King. Um, I find Stephen King very, very therapeutic. I don't know why. I just find him, I find Stephen King, there, there's like something so humane about him. There's something. cozy horror. Yeah. He's definitely got a cozy horror vibe. He's cozy, he's cozy horror, but also there's something so raw and human and real Mm. about his stories that, Mm And, and his characters, it's like these are real people facing real, real struggles. And, um, yeah. you know, the supernatural elements in his stories are just kind of secondary to the human struggles that these people are going through. So <clears throat> I love that. I'm fine. So right now I'm working through the Tommyknockers. I've also been binging Clive, <laughs> Clive Barker. I uh, finished Magica. I... Mm-hmm. Uh, read the hellbound heart for the first time which is great and now i am reading la Basse by hoismans um okay. which is one of the original satanic you know one of uh hoismans was was one of the decadents during um, turn of the century france 
and mm -hmm. uh, he wrote La Bas, which is which means <laughs> down there, and it is about the search for modern Satanism. And the mm -hmm. the modern Black Mass is largely based on the Black Mass in that novel. So I've been doing lots of oh. reading, lots of gaming. Yeah. John has been uh, binging lots of horror movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I have been. I have been a basement dweller my whole life. Right? And yeah, no. So it's like I have been practicing for this moment. I kind of feel you there. Like, I've always <laughs> been like, my ideal day involves getting up, drinking my coffee, eating breakfast, reading a novel for several hours, going for yes. a walk by myself. Like, yes. Yeah, no, exactly. I, Living the solitary life. <laughs> I have. You know, I've been oh, like I'm ready. I'm ready, guys. A a vampire hiding away from the sun for so long now. My entire life, I've just been perfectly content. You know, being cooped up in a cellar somewhere. That I I this is my moment. I'm <laughs> I'm so happy. And John, especially. Okay, so John is like so introverted. I might as well have an imaginary friend. And. Aww. He is living his best life right now, and he has not <laughs> left the house in like two weeks. And he is. Oh my gosh, that's Ben. That's yeah. my husband. That's my husband he is, Ben. He, he left is so happy. I think it's been two weeks since he left the house at all. Yeah. Yep. He is so happy. Mm -hmm. He he is loving yeah. every minute of it. So, all right. Next question. Uh, next question. If you have one. <clears throat> oh, let's see what have I got. Mm. Oh. I mean, that's that's basically basically kind of what I wanted to cover are your feelings. Yeah. What would you tell customers? How are your coworkers doing? Yeah. That's, that's pretty much pretty much what I had. Yeah. You know, it's um, I'm doing much better now than I did at first. I yeah. think I think the combination much better now. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that. The combination of extreme overwork and fatigue plus a, a global crisis is just completely derailed me. Combination, it, com yeah. it completely destroyed me. So I was not well <laughs> mentally, but mm. now that we're further Thank along you. in this... <laughs> yeah, emotionally it's evened out even though it's like we're we're still just at the beginning of this thing. Yeah. Um but I feel like emotionally, mentally I'm stable. And yeah. yeah. And so right now I'm just like making it through these 5-day sprints at work and then I can, you know, self-quarantine for 2 days and kind of hunker down. <clears throat> so yep. And uh, it's like I, I came up with a list of things that I need to do to stay well. Uh, and one of those things was to stay connected with people, but also to start making stuff again, to start doing podcasts, to start writing again, because that is very good for me. Um, so, uh, oh, and reading. Reading is also very good. Plenty of sleep. Uh mm -hmm playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. I, I'm starting to wonder if this, this uh, I, I'm starting to wonder if this novel coronavirus is, was actually engineered by Nintendo to coincide with the release of Animal Crossing's New Leaf. Forget <laughs> the president, forget the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> because Animal Crossing New Leaf came out at just the right moment. Oh my gosh! Just the right Nothing moment. The gaming industry was like, "Now's our time." Now oh. is our moment for world dominion. <laughs> um, and so, Animal Crossing, very therapeutic. It's a great, great game. Uh, yeah. I posted, I posted a notice to my villagers, saying, "You are not aware of this, but there is a global pandemic sweeping the world right now. But you don't care." Because you yeah. are make-believe characters. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. You're fine. It's cool. We're fine. Yep. The only kind of virus they... Oh, I just lost you. All right. Hold on just a second. Let me see if I can get her back. can get as a computer. Oh. Oh, are you there? Just for a second. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, 
<clears throat> that's the only thing that I've been super impressed with through this whole thing is what the hell would we do without the internet? Oh my god! What the hell? Yeah, this would oh be so god. much worse. Well, okay, so so and and actually, this is one thing that has been giving me hope is we we do live in a neoliberal hellscape. Sure. Fact. That is true. <laughs> um, let me back up. I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this idea of progress, mm-hmm. and and equality, mm-hmm. and I think that there are two camps that people tend to intuitively fall into. One is, I think, more of the Steven Pinker camp. Steven Pinker being the author of the Better Angels of Our Nature enlightenment now so on and so forth and steven pinker basically argues that this is the very best time in the history of the world to be alive and uh he measures progress by basically every single conceivable metric and i and i think most of his evidence is pretty irrefutable i i do think that this is the best era to be alive at the same time there are other people who say this is a horrific era look at the inequality that exists right now look at the financial inequality look at and i think both are true and so it's like there's yeah and so i think that there is horizontal there we we have to look horizontally and we have to look vertically it's like the vertical the vertical view is looking back in history and seeing how much progress we've made but then there is looking horizontally, which is looking across yeah. our current landscape and seeing the current inequality and judging inequality and injustice based on the current standards of today. Yeah. And both are important. So, yes, we live in a neoliberal hellscape. Um, <laughs> but also... But also, yeah. could you imagine what this would have been like even in the 80s? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Even in the no. 90s? Or, you know, I mean, it, it, oh, we just lost Danielle again. But, yeah, it's like, could you could you imagine what this would have been like even 20 or 30 years ago? It would have been horrific. The fact that we have the science, the communication... The fact that we have the science, the communication, the internet, the uh, it's it's incredible. And no, I was recently, you know, one of my best friends is currently in Japan, and we've been video chatting most days, and that's just the most surreal feeling. I'm like, you are literally on the other side of the world, and we are communicating instantaneously, essentially face to face. It's super weird. Yep. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap this up, but um, this has been this has been fun. And I'm thinking of doing more of kind of these casual hangouts with friends for the show. Um, A lot of content creators are doing these days. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have I have a casual hangout planned with uh, my friend Priest Penamu from the Satanic Temple. I have some conversations planned with Matt Langston with um with Peterson Toscano with several friends of mine just to just to provide some content some to provide some company for all of you while you're stuck in your house or stressing the fuck out with with work and whatnot so um hang in there we will all get through this together and hail satan <laughs> <laughs>